What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Canby Christian Church Podcast. This is an on-Sunday episode. That's the episode where the pastors of the church get together in a dank basement and talk about what happened on Sunday, even though it's a Tuesday. I'm Cody. I'm Aaron. And I'm Rob. And Rob, how was your week? Pretty good. Two weeks. Well, first we, off, we we've had say, we've had two weeks off. Yeah, what, happy Labor Day. We skipped last week's podcast. Yeah, and we we're too busy for that nonsense. So sad. They missed it. Well, oh, did you I get was, a lot of I was camping. I was gone. I you was gone. were gone. You went on a little day vacation. You went to sisters, right? Yeah, yeah. It took me and the family went up and visited Lake Trillium near the foot the hills. Isn't it Trillium Lake? Yeah. Whatever, same thing, Lake Trillium <laughs> Lake, however you want to put it, um, in the foothills of Mount Hood. But it was so smoky because there was actually a small Dude, fire yeah. up that way. And it it was, it we couldn't actually see the mountain. And so like we were taking pictures at the lake and normally you have Mount Hood looming right over you. And it was just like, it was misty and cloudy and smoky. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had a good time walking around the lake. And then we went down and visited Bend uh briefly and then hung out in sisters for a while but the the fires that are down there south really in that um forest what is that forest the national forest right there that sisters in is in what is it called oh i, I think forget. it's the deschutes national forest yeah 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 that sounds right and uh there was some fires and there i think they're still going now i'm not sure what containment they have but it was pretty gnarly it was um hard to breathe honestly so it was unfortunate uh, so we couldn't really hang out there too much. And then we, uh, basically we spent an afternoon in our hotel pool, which was like the, <laughs> the highlight for the kids. They loved it. They met some other kids that were staying Dude, there. Kids love hotel pools. That's like basically a theme park for kids. That's funny. And then they also had like a nice jacuzzi though. So me and Mallory were chilling in that jacuzzi and the kids too were in and out. That's funny. Piper kept making me get up and go in the big pool and then go in the, in the little pool. And yeah. Floats. So did I, you guys I, like sisters? Yeah, it was fun. Um, like, did you we like the area? Dinner. Did you like how, like the tree, like mm-hmm. the, it's totally different than the it's valley. It's like an old school Western style kind yeah. of town. It's in it's, yeah, it's, it's like in the forest and, uh, that was fun. Um, but yeah, because of the smoke, we couldn't really hang out too much. And so we drove, into Salem the other way, the way we didn't come in. Mm-hmm. And um, we stopped at Gilbert House Children's Museum, mm. which honestly was the kids loved that place. Oh, that's cool. So if you have little kids, you can go there for free with a cultural pass from the library, which is what we did. Hmm. So we paid zero dollars and they played for hours with that's like cool. bubbles. And there's a million little rooms with different like science and technology toys like you you there's this one room it's like a music room where you touch these led panels and they make different sounds and so they're they just go nuts that's cool there and uh there's a there's a bunch of different fun things for them to do playgrounds it's like a huge play area for all ages little kids elementary age kids and so we stayed there for a few hours and then, uh, of course, we had to stop off at In-N-Out on the nice. way home. <laughs> uh, Sounds like a good trip. Home. So that was the first half of last week. And then the second half of last week was just preparations for church in the park, mm-hmm. which um, there was a lot of things to get ready. But uh, it made it, it actually worked pretty smoothly, as we'll talk about, no doubt, um, with all the volunteer help we had. So, yeah, yeah that it's, was hard, my week. it's hard to find a volunteer of the week. I know, right? I mean, everybody pitched in so so many good ones. Yeah, it's basically everybody. Yeah, everybody was helping out. We should give honorable mentions, but still give we will volunteer of the week. Mm -hmm. How about you, Cody? How was your week? My week was good. Yeah, I uh, I wasn't gone. (laughs) I just didn't do the podcast by myself. Well, you left for or invite anyone to do it with me. You almost yeah. Didn't drowned. you go whitewater rafting? Yeah, I uh, yeah, I I or I, floating. I kind of I took <laughs> I took a couple days off since I you know we were gonna have church in the park and uh, no one else was around anyways. But yeah, I uh, on Tuesday I went whitewater rafting with Youth Dynamics, which was fun. They invited all the youth pastors uh, or invited youth pastors in general to do a free 
uh, rafting day. So I did that. But none of the dudes from Canby were, none of the youth pastors in Canby did it. Mm. Although, uh, sadly, I feel bad. Nick from the Alliance Church, when I said I went to it, he said, I asked who was going. And they said, they told me none of the people in Canby were going. So he's like, I wanted to, but I thought it was silly for me to go with a bunch of people I won't ever see again. Yeah. And, uh, but I signed up super late. So that's, that's probably why, say. <laughs> that's probably why I'm like, oh, dude, I signed up really late. So, yeah. But, uh, I felt kind of bad. That's funny. <laughs> But it was fun, and then Wednesday I went salmon fishing uh, for most of the day. Had uh, you ever caught a salmon before? I had never caught a salmon before. Wow, that and I heard fun. you caught all of them. No, I don't think so. Is that true? I think Joel said you you were the one who landed all three. I thought No, I think Joel reeled one in, too. No, he landed them but didn't keep them. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That, that, could, that could be true. Yeah. Yeah. But Joel. yeah, no, it was pretty fun. Yeah, Joel Owens t- My uh, okay. took me with his friend, his friend's boat out of Vancouver. We went salmon fishing on the uh, on the Columbia, Columbia River. Yeah, that was very fun. No, I had never reeled in a salmon. They are much bigger than smallmouth bass. Yeah, and they fight hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty wild when you get one right up to the boat and then it just takes off and your line just, you know, zips back out. And yeah. You're like starting all over. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it was really fun. That's awesome. And it was really good salmon. Oh yeah. I ate some. I have a bunch of my freezer. That's cool. Where yep. did you fish? Columbia River, like right where the oh the, where, other the river. Oregon and Washington border. Mm, yeah. But like okay. out toward the ocean. Yeah, right. I think it was right where the Cowlitz River feeds into the Columbia River. Mm-hmm. Which was like a very common place to yeah, fish yeah, for salmon because yeah. there's just boats everywhere. Yeah, which yeah. is kind of awesome too. It was fun. Totally, dude. We need to we need to schedule a men's ministry like father son fishing day. Sure, that would be epic. I heard somebody Get wants, it on the calendar. I know. I heard. Some, I won't say who because I don't know that he's offered yet. But somebody I know with a boat. I mean, you could probably connect the dots from the last story I just told. Uh, <laughs> Mentioned he'd like to do a crabbing day. Oh, yeah. So that'd be kind of fun. That would a bunch be fun. Of crab pots How big and, of a boat? I mean, it can't fit a ton of guys on it. Yeah. Well, I mean, a crab pot is small. So yeah, it just depends on how many crab. Oh, yeah. You yeah, got to get how many, a bo- how how many guys. guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. No, for sure. <laughs> you could also just schedule something like I'm that. Thinking, I'm thinking like pier fishing, shore fishing. I'm not like... Get a boat. Yeah, because that would be expensive to get like a big group of guys on a boat. That's expensive. Of course. But yeah, those, but that would be fun to do. It's a fairly like easy thing to do and it's a lot of fun. Sure. You just got to wake up early and I'm not good with that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I I went um, to Wallawa Lake out in Northeast Oregon. One of the seven wonders of Oregon, if y'all didn't know, you could go online. You're seeing all the wonders. We've talked about I just finished it. I finished it. That was it. That was my seventh wonder of Oregon. Nice. Where does it rank on the wondrous level of all the other wonders? Well, it's hard because Crater Lake is obviously a ridiculous wonder. I mean, mean, yeah, yeah, you can't compare anything to Crater Lake. I mean, but you've got... The gorge, which is also how are you going to compare Crater Lake it's to the massive, gorge? Yeah. You know, it's just like some of these things are they're in a league of their own, you know. And I mean, honestly, Wallawa Lake was kind of in a league of its own too, because you take this like you can pay for this tram ride to take you up to the top oh, of this yeah, mountain, yeah. and they call it the Alps of Oregon or the Northwest or whatever. I mean, it is the view up there is unreal and. There's little hiking paths that are really easy to do. And the temperature is like 20 degrees colder up there. It's just, it's wild, dude. I mean, it was such a great place and beautiful day to, to see the views and stuff like that. It was, it was a great time. I'm excited to go back again. Um, we were there for a few days, had pretty good weather the whole time. We fished one of the days, caught some trout off the shore um, both my girls caught fish and Michelle caught a fish and it was really funny. We got it all on, on the camera. Yeah. So that was kind of fun. To, all on film. Was on it film. just, uh, was it just you guys? It's just us. Family? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, uh, it was seven hour drive towing the trailer Wow. with stops and gas and going to the bathroom and stuff like that. So yeah. long drive, but I mean, the drive out there is gorgeous. I mean, along 84 and. Then you drop down. It's just some of the most beautiful country you've ever seen. So 
we had a great time. Um, and then we got back Friday, cleaned up, had to write a sermon on Saturday <laughs> for Sunday morning. So Which we will talk about yeah. momentarily. Yeah, yeah sir. Well, yeah. that was cool though. was like, I was away, but I was still thinking about this passage a lot mm-hmm. and thinking about the day. And so I had like, a, I had gotten a pretty good idea in my mind while I was out sitting next to a campfire what I wanted to do. Hmm. I'm like, this is great sermon prep out here, <laughs> you know, in the woods and right by a little campfire. This is just how I should do it most weeks. Yeah. Just roasting marshmallows and just meditating on a passage of scripture, <laughs> thinking about yeah. where I'm going to go. That's awesome. Yeah, well, it was cool. You're going to have ample time next week. Yeah, that's true. Although you're not no. preaching next well, week. Well, I'll be thinking about it. I'll be thinking about John a We're lot. We're going to start the gospel of John. In, on the 20... 20 something because we're not, we're finishing Timothy this week, second Mm -hmm. Timothy. And then Cody's up the next week, 24th of September. And then we're starting John. Yes. We should have announced that at church in the park. We messed up. Well, we need to actually, it's all good. Do artwork and stuff. Well, we have two Sundays to announce it, but no one's going to be like, Oh really? Like no one's, it's not something people need to plan for. Yeah, that's true. And you heard it here first. Actually, no, I think we talked about it before. (laughs) But for the most part, you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, for yeah. The, yeah. The series title is The Way, The Truth, and The Life. You heard that first. There you we, go. Yeah, we just came up with that the other day. <laughs> oh, nice. man. We thought Base. hard on that one. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> straight you out of John 14. You can't go wrong when you take the words of Jesus. No. That's the title. You really yeah. just can't. And especially when they're coming from the book itself. That's true. Yeah. He said some cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. Dude, but yeah, we're. I mean, we're coming up on, this is probably my favorite time of the year fall fall like september everything's getting like back you know the kids just are back in school today i just drafted my fantasy football team (laughs) (laughs) how'd you do uh i I think i did all right um you know but yeah everything's getting back into routine we just had our our training for uh small group leaders Mm -hmm. life group yeah life groups are gonna be kicking back off youth groups gonna be kicking back off and we just did basically our big, our last big thing for the summer yeah. for the church with Church at the Park, which was really uh, a lot of fun, um, even though we haven't done one in at years, least six years. years. And years and years. I mean, I haven't done one in six years. It's yeah. been longer. It's been probably 10 years since this church wow. has done a church in the park. Um, but we've had barbecues yeah, and stuff. After church, we've had some outdoor yeah. things but nothing like where we're actually doing service in a in the public square you know yeah, yeah. but so. you didn't you didn't come up with a sermon just in light of we're doing church in the park and we're turning 130 you just went with what we were going to be coming up on anyways yeah i mean yeah. yeah it was obviously just providential to land on a text like this second timothy 4 1 through 8 preach the word and then the whole, uh, I fought the good fight, finished the race, kept the faith. I mean, this is potentially the most known set of verses in all of Timothy outside mm-hmm. of like the qualifications for elders or something, you know? Yeah. Um, Paul's statement there, I fought the good right, fought the good fight, finished the race, kept the faith is probably one of the most known sayings of Paul. So that was pretty cool to be able to like just providentially land there in our series mm-hmm. that we're going through. Um, but just the subject itself that Paul is transitioning in ministry and basically passing the baton of, of uh, the word to, and the ministry of the word to Timothy and, and sort of feeling that weight of responsibility as we are now a, a generation that is holding on to the good deposit from a generation that came Long before us, 130 years ago, yeah. that planted a church under, you know, difficult circumstances. And um, and yet here we are reading a letter from a guy that would have never, never guessed in his entire life that yeah. people 130 years from now would be reading this simple little note yeah. Oh, yeah. that, that <laughs> he wrote to some organization to fund the ministry that was mm-hmm. happening here. So amazing and yeah. wild to be able to do something like that. Um, but it just shows what God can do. That was mm-hmm. the one thing I think I, I wish I could have drawn out a little bit more is that 
with each passing generation in a legacy church, God is always present and his word is always present that though one minister or one generation dies, Mm -hmm. the word doesn't, it keeps going and going and going. And I think that we've seen the evidence of that even in our own church. And so that's what Paul is essentially doing here. It would have been cool to bring that out a little bit more in my sermon, but I didn't have time to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And relatively speaking, our church is very young compared to the churches that we're talking about from Ephesus. Well, they don't exist. (laughs) They don't exist like under the same incorporation, but there are still Christians there. Yeah. You know what I mean? As there were in the times of Paul and Timothy when they were planting these churches. Sure, sure. So that's what's wild to think about. Um, They don't have the documents like we do. But, But at the same time, 130 years is not... Is, is a pretty lengthy time to have a, a faithful group of Christians sure. continuing that. And you even make, made mention this. I didn't look this up, but I wondered what is the average length of a church, you know, of a evangelical Christian church? That's a great question. I, don't I have know. no idea, but I'm sure there's some really old ones on the East <laughs> coast and stuff, places, right. parts of the U S that have been, but I mean, more densely populated for longer amounts of time. Yeah. You, but you could find like, oh yeah, Hey, that church is still there, still incorporated, still exists. But then when you open up the doors and walk in the building, there's 15 people there. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? It's not like right. you could get those percentages accurately. Yes. Um, yeah, that's true. And, and then, you know, you've got a building that's maybe 150 years old, but they've got a new church in it. Like, they were incorporated as, you know, first Baptist of whatever right. Salem. Uh, but then now there's like a new cool church there. Like, yeah. I don't know, river of life church yeah. that's meeting in the old building. So it's a new church, you know, it's new wine and an old wineskin mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Um, so yeah. Whereas I think what's unique about can be Christian is that it's, it's always been this, yeah. I mean, technically, first Christian church of Canby, you know? Right. Um, but anyway, I thought that was cool to be able to, like, obviously celebrate that. And it's yep, good to have those milestones cool. and remember that we're a part of something bigger and not just a new thing, but a new thing building off of an old thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, 130 years, obviously, is long enough that no one who was a part of the original church is alive still. Right. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, no. so that, that's where it gets kind of crazy to think about. Uh, cause it's not like there's, there's really no one around to be like, Hey, here's how we did it. You know? Sure. But, <laughs> but yeah, the interesting part of reading that letter is the thing that that guy was most excited about was the preaching of the word that mm-hmm. was happening there. Um, and I thought that was such a good point from your sermon. You can, there's so many things that church could do or not do. And still be a church. You could yeah. be a church who does youth group. You could be a church that doesn't do youth group, and you're still a church. You can't be a church who doesn't faithfully preach the word. Right. You can still call yourself a church, and many churches do. But the preaching of the word is the thing that makes a church a church. It's the thing that makes a church. It's the only power mm-hmm. in within the church is the preaching of the word to one another and and using it to disciple each other. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I a part of that is coming out of this text, Paul's primary concern is I mean, he's had a lot of concerns. Hey, you need to raise up elders, Timothy. You know, you need to raise up some godly men. You need to confront false teaching. You need to do all like there's a lot of stuff to do in order to have a healthy church. But in his last essentially words, his last charge, his charge to rule them all, as I said, <laughs> is like, if if you just faithfully preach the word, most of the other things will take care of themselves. And and they, you can even be flexible. And this one thing, though, can never change. And I, I think it's both, like it's these, these three words, right? Preach the word. The word coming off of what you preached, Rob, Mm -hmm. all scripture is inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction. And then he tells him here, preach the word because it's, then he tells him reprove, correct, exhort with patience, right? So basically use what the word is in the lives of people. So take the nature of the word and then apply it to people's lives. 
in order that may, they might be transformed. So you have the nature of the word itself, but then you have the action of preaching. So the, the message matters, what you're preaching, but the method matters as well. So right. that's, what, that's what I was trying to get across is like, there is an importance of preaching the word too. You can't just, and that's what I was saying. Some churches have tried to be like, not as offensive, right? Like, so let's just talk about G. Let's get like three guys, what we're doing right now on a podcast. This is great, mm-hmm. but this ain't preaching. And you can have a dialogue and a discussion. You can learn a lot of things, but it's not proclamation, right? which is what like the word being like, you're a herald. You're getting up and proclaiming good news to people and truth without argument. You're not here to have a discussion or a dialogue about this. You're here to proclaim truth. And this is what, thus saith the Lord, this is what God says. And so the means and the message are both important. And that's what I was essentially trying to like bring out that that's what Paul is saying here. Yeah. You need to be faithful in doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, Honestly, I was thinking as I was preparing the sermon last week is I feel like it would have been wise to stop chapter three, like the sermon in verse 13 and you pick up this week from 14 as for you continue in what you have learned. Basically you quoted it in your sermon because you kind of had to go back Oh yeah. And mention it for the context, but it would have been a good inclusion in this section of <coughs> opening of chapter 14. And I saw a few different outlines from different like commentators breaking up the passage that way. Yeah. Because so that, that was a bit of a, uh, an interesting challenge last week as I was connecting those final verses of chapter 13, talking about the nature of scripture and how it's uh, the means of salvation through proclaiming the truth of Christ and our, you know, having faith in him. And then transitioning now into the text that you covered, right? Um, so it was, I was, it was important that you mentioned those verses in the beginning. I thought that was a good way to set us up for it. But either way, um, yeah, it ended up being really good. I think today would be cool. Maybe we just step through this verse by verse, or you know, chunk by chunk, chapter four, and t- just commentate through it. Sure. Um, and so let's just read parts of it together. So we're only reading eight verses from chapter four, one through eight. Um, it opens and it ends, interestingly, talking about eschatological truth of the second coming. Yeah. So we'll get it to. But first, one says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, complete, with complete patience and teaching. So let's just look at those two first. So those, that's, the, that's the charge. Yeah. That's the initial charge. And he says, he, he's, he bases it, it seems, on in the presence of God and of Christ, who will come and judge at his appearing. Um, I don't know, any thoughts, questions? You already, you already kind of hit it a little bit a moment ago. Um, but you said something you kind of wished you could have teased out more about what it means to like reprove, rebuke, exhort. Mm-hmm. Like would, if you had more time, because you, you made your sermon a bit smaller because of the nature of the service. Yeah. Would you have elaborated a little bit on that or? Um, I, I think no, only because I assumed you did. I didn't really get into it much. And the, the I mean, all scripture is profitable for reproof, for correction, for training in I, righteousness. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm building off of, you know, hey, reprove, rebuke and exhort with complete patience um, so I, I'm just build. I, I'm assuming I'm building off of what was already sort of communicated the prior week, but I know that like in the Simeon trust stuff, when it comes to like application, mm-hmm. they talk about, or when you're thinking about how do I get my message across, they, um, there's these C's comfort, confront, convict, challenge. Mm-hmm. So there's like these C's that this is what the word should do. It should comfort the weary. Um, it should confront the wayward. Uh, it should convict the sinner. And it should challenge us to do something that God's called us to do. Right. And not every text is going to do all four. Yeah. But it one of the it's going to do one of those things, if not several of those things. And I think this text is definitely doing several of those things. But he's telling them when you're preaching the word, this is what your aim is to your audience to reprove, 
to rebuke, to exhort. Um, in the last section, he talks about training in righteousness. Like the word of God is able to equip you for every good work, making yeah. you complete. Um, so all of it is the word and your application of the word to your people. So I don't know. I don't yeah, know if I would have gone off on that. Proof is mentioned twice at the end of chapter three, beginning of chapter 14. Um, are those just synonyms? Repro reprove, rebuke, exhort. Exhort maybe as a positive tone. Rebuke is obviously bringing correction. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, ex exhort is, I think, part of that challenge. You know, like, that's what I think when I think exhort. Like, hey, here's yeah. this. I, I think you should do that. Um, here's an exhortation to a right direction, you know? Yeah, it um, seems like he's bringing up synonymous terms to kind of emphasize the sure. importance of reprove. Music. I would say would just be like correction. Yeah. yeah. Um, rebuke is like, dude, you're wrong. You know, like yeah. just you're wrong. But it's the scriptures that are saying you're wrong, not I'm saying you're wrong. Right. The scriptures are saying you're wrong. So you you use the word of God to rebuke people. Um. And anyway, I, I don't know if I would have gone off on that because a part of it seems pretty obvious. Yeah. I, that's why I spent a little bit more time in the be ready in season and out of season right. thing. And I actually learned that from David Helm, the whole like, this is talking about, because I've heard different people talk about in season and out of season mm -hmm. differently um, in the sense of more like, hey, when you're ready and even if you're not ready. You right. should preach the word. But he says, be ready. Be so that, ready. That doesn't make any sense. I know. Exactly. Right. The, so David Helm is the first guy I've ever heard say like, no, when you see fruit in your ministry and when you don't see fruit in your ministry, right, right, right. you need to preach the word. Right. And Or when things are easy and when things are hard. Yeah. Be ready. Yeah. Which is, I guess, another way of saying fruitfulness and lack of fruitfulness or something sure. like that. Yeah. I, and I mean, from personal experience, like I've, it's hard to... I mean, like early on here, mm -hmm. it was interesting because you preach your first, like, I don't know, several sermons. And a part of you is like, I don't even know if these people like me. Yeah. Like, I don't even know if they trust me. And I don't even know if any of this is like having any effect. And then you see like that first year of like just the way the church culture is. And you're like, what is happening right now? But yeah. then, so what I'm saying is I've seen the in season and out of season and you just got to be faithful to preach the word and then watch what happens patiently, right? He says with patience, right? This is not the change in your churches or in people is not going to come overnight, mm -mm. but you got to trust the process that with every week, with every sermon, you'll be, you'll, you'll be disappointed in where you're at in one year, but you'll be super amazed at where you're at in five and or six. And so I think it's just the patience, but the pro trusting the process, but then knowing just like being a farmer, like there's going to be a season where I'm, I have to till up the ground. I've got to remove the weeds. I've got to maybe burn this field, you know, like, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not the farmer, but like God's the farmer, right. And he's going to burn his field and he's going to take this thing down in order to produce a harvest in the future. But that's like, you see a scorched field and you're like, what is this just looks like devastation. Mm -hmm. But then a farmer's like, oh man, there's a harvest coming. Yeah. You know, like it's mm -hmm. a different perspective. Yeah. And you, you as the preacher, and as a Christian, have to have that perspective of like, look at what God did, but but was this done right? Was this done through the word? There's going to be a harvest in the future. Yeah. And I think that's, you've got to have that sort of perspective, uh, which he gives that illustration early on, right? With right. The, with the hardworking farmer. Chapter two. Yeah. He receives the fruit first. Um, and, and I think that's definitely true, like in ministry, but... Yeah. Right, which right after he says, "Entrust us to faithful men who will teach the mm -hmm. word." Basically, mm -hmm. so he's been he's been talking about this through the last three chapters. Um, really, this whole letter, in large part, is this preach the word. It's almost sure. building to that preach the word charge. Yeah. Um, I I was kind of curious, Rob, what your perspective is on that one because you were a pastor preaching and teaching, and then you switched to being a teacher, not 
in a church. True. Like, did that, I mean, what was that like? Did you, were you like staying ready because you were pretty sure you'd be a pastor again someday? Or were you kind of like, whatever God does? Because that be ready in season and out of season almost has a whole nother, a whole nother like uh, admonishment for you when you were in the season (coughs) where you weren't. You weren't preaching anymore because you weren't. Well, that's the thing. Necessarily. Is I was. Oh, you still were. No, no, no. I wasn't okay. preaching a Sunday morning sermon. Ah, uh, gotcha. But all people are proclaiming the word. Yes. Yeah. And you, you didn't really have time to get into that. But he, Paul's not telling just this is just, just for pastors yeah. preach the word. Although specifically, he's talking to Timothy. I think all church members proclaim the word, and that's why he says later in the text, "Do the work of an evangelist." Uh, to Timothy, but to mm. everyone, like all people. So in the time between full-time ministry jobs, while I was a teacher, um, I was still heavily involved in, uh, you know, attending church regularly in discipleship groups and yeah. preaching the word yep. in the context which I found myself in. Yeah, great point. And in those settings, I was, uh, you know, just a regular church member attending a small group. I wasn't leading a small group, although I did host at one point and sort of helped to lead. But I was in a season of life where I was no longer in a leadership role within a church. And that was new because I was for about five years. Uh, and then I stepped away from that, helped to plant, help like be a part of a team that was planting. And actually during that time, I did have one opportunity to teach at Apostles. That was only one time I preached when I wasn't like a, a pastor necessarily there. I was just a member of that church and I did get a chance to teach there on a Sunday morning. And then I went back home and I was just attending a church in my hometown before Aaron called me up to take this role. And so I think that's a good point of view. Like no matter where you are in life, whatever season you're in, which it goes to the main point that you brought up as seasons change, it's the faithful preaching of God's word that produces an enduring legacy. That could be Mm-hmm. You could be a, a pastor who's doing that on a Sunday morning worship service. You could also be just a, a church member who faithfully attends a small group and and preaches the gospel with their, you know, the people that are in that discipleship group. It could be you in your workplace talking to someone who's curious about the gospel or evangelizing to them and teaching them, preaching to the word to them. So it's not necessarily just to a pastor, yeah. uh, this admonition. I think it's for really for everyone. So for me that's where I found myself. And so I was just making the best use of the time that I could um, until the Lord called me here and gave me this position. Mm. And now I, again, have an, have another level of authority and ability to teach and fulfill that role. So, mm. yeah. and I think there's a cool. lot of people in our church that, that still can do that. They can Absolutely. still preach the word. They just, they're, they may not have ever a chance to do it on a Sunday morning it, during a worship service. Right. Yeah, um, I think one of the interesting things about this passage, too, is the times I hear this text preached is usually at, like, a seminary chapel. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, these are, these are uh, this is like the go-to text, right? Like, you're going to go to a bunch of seminarians, and you're sending them out, and you're just going to yeah. talk about the nature of, like, now everything you learned, go and do it, you know? Yeah. And that's not like really what Tim Paul's doing here with Timothy. He's like, preach the word because like, it's going to get really hard out there and it's going to get even harder. And the temptation to not preach the word is going to come on the regular. And you may be tempted to like find some new creative thing or, or maybe not say the thing, um, but just, maybe have music be the emphasis of your ministry or have uh technology or have a boom in kids ministry <laughs> or whatever. You I mean, know? for him, maybe Greek philosophy and, you know, things like yeah. that, other things that were coming into the mix. Or even, I mean, Timothy, when we think about the context that we've been in through first and second Timothy, there's these false teachers stirring up quarrels, yeah, like yeah. preaching these random myths and drawing, you know, wild conclusions about them, uh, saying they have authority maybe that they don't have based on some weird genealogy, you know, right, uh, right. and it would be really easy for one of these dudes, you know, who's like speaking in a public square somewhere. And for Timothy to just be like, 
I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get into that one. Yeah, <laughs> you know? totally. And just like head off, you know? Yep. And like yep. let that guy just keep going. Yep. And I think that's where Paul's like, dude, always be ready yeah. to teach, to preach the word, reprove and rebuke. Uh, because it'd be re- like, that'd be, a, uh, I mean, it sounds like if we just take what's written in these letters, that's a, actually a fairly daunting task. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he probably needs to be ready to teach about scripture and preach it constantly because there's weirdo teachers all up in his midst <laughs> yeah. trying to gather people to themselves and say this is the right teaching you know and he has to be ready to like constantly be preaching the actual god-given truth against those people which yeah. would get i mean i would imagine it would get extremely tiring for sure no <laughs> yeah. that's that's exactly right and our and, context yeah. isn't that much different no <laughs> we were the similar Similar places, and you highlighted a few yeah. of those challenges that we. Well, faced. I mean, really, the yeah, we're <laughs> we're at the point where the false teachers among us could be anywhere because of the internet. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like For it's sure. a it's a really weird context that we're in because people could get on the internet and hear a sermon from anyone at any time, mm-hmm. and people can actually gather millions of followers to yep. their teaching, even though they're way off. And sometimes we could have a person in our church who we don't know is listening to hours and hours and hours of sermons from somebody with theology that doesn't align with our church. Yeah. And and then you well, all of a sudden you find it out. Boom. Yeah. You know. Or doesn't align with any church. It's <laughs> yeah. Apostate. Right. And exactly. that's really that's where he goes next. Verse three and four say, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I guess you just commented on, Cody. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything else to say there? I mean, obviously I mentioned a few things. <laughs> I, like, you could, you could point out the obvious things. Like, part of me actually, maybe because I was raised Joe's witness, is thinking about like the cults that are out there. Yeah. And there's some uh, there's something attractive about a cult where you're like I'm I'm uh like I need this. You know, it's fear-based, it's legalistic, yeah. it's got this like I'm bringing something to the table. Um it there's there's obviously a psychological thing going on and of course a spiritual thing going on that locks people into this, but it's all from false teaching. Um, But I don't, obviously I think there's some of that in here, but I think there's steps that happen before that, that leads someone Mm. ultimately down to that, like shipwreck. end. there's a difference between heresy and error. Right. And sometimes you're like led down error, like a road of error. And that's where I kind of mentioned the, like, obviously the gender issue is a heresy in my mind. I mean, when you're, when you're confusing male and female or sexuality, these are like basic teachings of humanity and anthropology, right? Like basic systematic theology doctrines of man. Um, And so I mentioned that, but these are one of the things where people are heaping up teachers for themselves. Yeah because they don't want to endure sound teaching on biblical gender or sexuality. Right. Um, but the thing that I mentioned that's probably more of a pet peeve of mine is just the prophecy update stuff. Right. Coming from a church that did a lot of that, I see, I, I don't agree with it. Um, I, I think that it's really a bunch of myths. I think it's a bunch of myths. And it leads people astray. Um, one church, for example, I went on their website. Mm-hmm. I looked at their videos. Big church, got a lot of viewers. Their sermons, which are teaching through the Bible, had like 15,000 views, which is a lot of views. But their prophecy updates, 195,000 views. Whoa. So clearly, the draw to this place is not the Bible. Mm-hmm. The draw is this person's perspectives on current events that they're using verses of the Bible to somewhat like pseudo validate. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense to me 
hermeneutically, exegetically, theologically, doesn't make any sense. And yet somehow they're pulling this out. And, but people are just like enraptured by end times thoughts. The choice. That's a choice words there. (laughs) And I'll, I'll use, I'll, I'll use a, a phrase I heard a long time ago was someone said, if your church attendance is getting low, then you should probably plan on preaching a sermon series on the family or on end times because people love it. <laughs> I'm, I, I was like, A, that's one of the truest statements I've ever heard. And B, that's one of the worst things I've ever heard come out of your mouth because you basically just said, this is just the way people are. They're sheep that want these two things and I'm going to leverage it. They have itchy ears. They have itchy ears. And they want to hear, they want <laughs> and I'm, those ears scratched. I'm going to get out my back yeah. scratcher and I'm going to reach as far as I can and scratch those ears with it because they love sermon series on the family and on end times. And it's not like the Bible doesn't talk about those things. Totally. And it gives us plenty of good things to talk about. But when you take the topic above what the, 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 what the scripture actually says, you end up manipulating yeah, what, that's, right. I think the text and people, yeah, right. which I think is unfortunate. And so, and I just think it's more relevant because of like COVID and all the government stuff and things going on around the world. Yeah. It's the same thing that happened in the sixties and seventies where again, prophecy updates and conferences were just massive. Yep. I mean, everybody was wondering it's the end of the world as we know it. You know, like they were seriously like, is is this it? Is the end coming? There was also some crazy cults that rose up like uh, Heaven's Gate and stuff. Remember that? They yeah. like all took Kool-Aid because they thought like a comet was going to come. Well, even it. that right. knucklehead out there in Eastern Oregon, um, the Rajneesh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like there was Rajneesh. some weird spiritual was things that Christian, going on. Was that no, like Eastern? no, they weren't no. Christian. That was like some weird Eastern, like I think Hindu. it was. I think it was closer to Hindu, yeah. like yoga, Hindu sure. meditation stuff like that. There was a lot of weirdness, though. <laughs> yeah, and my weird. point is just like because of the Vietnam War, yeah. because of assassinations, because of all these things, everybody's like, "Dude, is this the end? Is Jesus coming back?" And there were people who came up with all these prophecy updates and all this stuff, and so it's the same sort of thing happening now. Whenever there's like crazy world events or things that are just shaking up what's going on. Everybody's like, what's, what's going to happen? But we don't know. And we don't know when, but we know that it's coming and we know that it's probably sooner than we think. Um, But it should be, what's the purpose of thinking about this? It shouldn't be so that we can just sit on our couches and know, Oh, he's coming back soon. It should be to inspire us to live a particular way. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's how Paul's using it here. Like people who are fascinated with end time stuff, and yet I don't see them actively evangelizing their their neighbors. I'm like, you don't get it. You clearly don't get it. You're fascinated with end time stuff and like Jesus coming back at any moment, but yet you're not living as if he's going to come back at any moment. Like, because you should probably Mm. be doing what the Bible tells you to do in light of Jesus coming back at any moment, which is like preach the word, disciple, live um, a holy life, flee from sin, right? Uh, be be free of anxiety. Mm. What like and yet these the people who are like rich with prophecy updates are the most anxious people I've ever met. I mean, they are just scared to death, and that's why they keep coming back to these prophecy updates like it's a drug, and. But it should relieve anxiety. Jesus is coming back. Yeah. And I have the greatest hope ever. And he can come back at any moment. And even if I die right now, that's Paul's hope, right? He's like, Jesus could come back any moment, but I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to die. Like, this is mm-hmm. wild to me, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. How he sort of leverages that. But that's my, like, I'm, I'm always just surprised with the inconsistency of people's beliefs and their application of those beliefs. Yeah. If you really believe that Jesus is coming back, how can you're not doing the things that the Bible would tell you to do in light of Jesus coming back? Right. Um, so anyway, that's and, my And role. you're speaking in generalities, like, you know, if... if no, I'm, if, I'm, I got people in my mind. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I'm saying... I'm, I'm speaking saying in general, yes. If there are, yeah. you know, folks, and there are many wonderful folks in our own church who 
who are dispensationalists, let's say, or hold to some of these points of view. And that's a wonderful thing to do. We're not disparaging them outright or anything like that. I'm disparaging prophecy updates. <laughs> yeah. People who use that to manipulate people focus on that. That's a big part of their ministry and stuff like that, of course. Uh, but I'm just saying for the sake of, you know, everyone who's, who's listening, like, um, you know, you're not trying to disparage like everybody or, or anything like that. I'm not who, disparaging anyone, okay. yeah. but I'm saying that prophecy updates are unbiblical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think there's, there's like a sort of twisted entertainment value to them. Oh, for Is sure. That, in the Definitely. same way that we watch two people from opposite sides of the political aisle argue yeah. with each other. And we're not really looking for any news. We're just kind of watching the spectacle of the argument. Mm. Um, you know, like the, there's some, like the, I mean, obviously it was a problem in this literal church that this letter was written to because people, I think, you know, there's like a twisted sort of entertainment value yeah. to like almost like a horror movie, the adrenaline rush of being told about how imminent all of this evil is coming mm -hmm. to you, you know, like, and there, there is a level of entertainment value to it that, um, that I think is is, I don't know, bad, unhealthy, unhealthy. Sure, yeah. and I, so I think that's sometimes where we go. We need to take a step back and go, like, what is what is the purpose of this thing? Right. For me, am am I learning more about the Bible? Am I being built up, or am I just getting some sort of weird pleasure out of thinking about these? chaotic crazy ideas that are coming down the line for whatever is in store for humanity right um and it's weird to think of it as entertainment but it is that sort of weird like adrenaline rush sure anxiety inducing but like in the, we get, some, we get like something it. out of it that we enjoy yeah in a weird way and I, I think we have to be honest with ourselves when we're treating it that way yeah 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 and that's paul tells timothy like this is the answer as for you always be sober-minded Mm. Right, not clouded with yeah. these myths. Be sober-minded. Endure suffering. You're going to have hard times. Mm -hmm. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. I mean, that verse alone is packed with all kinds of imperatives, commands. Yeah. Don't don't get off into the weeds. Focus on the main thing, which is evangelism, yeah. making disciples, preaching the gospel, preaching the word. Yeah. Um, and fulfill your ministry. Right. And the ministry, the point is bringing people into a saving faith. Uh, a relationship with God. And oftentimes those types of events and focuses don't do that all that sure. well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's just one, that's just one example. And it's like a relevant thing in our, in our moment because of, again, post COVID and things like that. It's just yeah. something I've seen a lot of um, and then lived it, you know, for years. But I think that there are other issues, right? Politics or, um, Again, the gender issue, there's there's a lot of things that could lead people astray into mm -hmm. myths where you're just like lost and you just sort of like lose your faith because you're like, I don't even know what happened to me anymore, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, and I, think I mean, it, it's pretty common, especially around here or closer to the Portland area to, to have a church fully oriented around social justice. Yeah, for and sure. You, and, and there's like lots of like year of Jubilee talk. And not mm. a lot of like studying what the Bible says about a year. Totally. You know what I mean? Like there's other really common ways that like just a little chunk of the Bible is used to yeah. like do a whole bunch of this stuff that wasn't actually learning from the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Drift. I mean, there, there another guy or topic comes to mind is like there's also a, a heavy focus on Sabbath stuff. Yeah. And and rest but really, when you look at the book, I actually I had a conversation with Dan Schreiner about this. Mm. Of uh, he's at Henson last year, we were talking about a book on rest and Sabbath rest and stuff, and I had skimmed through the book and read enough to be like, okay, I see what he's arguing and how he's arguing it. He read he read the whole book and he was like, what's interesting is it was a really helpful book. You just can't call it Christian. <laughs> like there's no gospel in it at all. Self-help. It's a self-help, moralistic, therapeutic deism book. And yet it is completely marketed as a Christian book. 
and Christians are gobbling it up, thinking they're gobbling up gospel, but they're not. Mm. They're gathering up myths, false, erroneous gospel, right? Something that's leading you to moralism and therapy and self-care and all this stuff. Not that any of those things are like terrible in and of themselves, Mm -hmm. but it's just not the Christian gospel. Yeah. The rest that we have is in Christ, not in like taking a, you know, 15 minute power break or something like that. Like that, that's helpful, but it's not gospel. And so there's a lot of those things where people love that though. Like, yeah, my biggest issue right now is just, I don't get enough rest, you know? Yeah. It's like, no, your biggest issue is that you're not resting in Christ. That's your issue. You know? Yeah. Cause well, yeah, if you do stuff like that, then you get to this as for you, always be so reminded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. And you're like, I don't get that suffering part. <laughs> yeah. Because this book I was reading said like that I should be totally like worry free. Totally. And, like, and so like, this, and do the work and I'm, the I'm working suffer- too hard. Right yeah. Now. That's the, the su- problem. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so you, yeah, you, when you start doing things like that, you miss a big chunk. Obviously there's plenty of stuff in the Bible that would teach us to care for ourselves. Yeah. yeah to take yeah. care of our bodies to, well, the Sabbath to treat ourselves well that. and to rest. But when we start thinking like I should not experience any hardship or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you know, like you get, you can get to some weird places. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I just get weary of those kinds of topics too. I mean, there's, but that's the thing is you're taking a good thing and just slightly moving off center on it. Yeah. And then it's like, ooh, I like that. That's delicious. That's the like Turkish delight yeah. in C.S. Mm-hmm. Lewis, Narnia, you know? Like, <laughs> but before you know it, you're like addicted to this thing and you can't get off. <laughs> you're imprisoned by and the white witch. You're yeah. imprisoned. Right? Yeah, because yeah, when you think Jesus, like, what do you think about, you know? It, it, he it's never not suffered. like, he seemed like a restful dude. <laughs> he seems like he just rested a lot, yeah, you know? That's, like, that's not how you portray Jesus to the world. Now you go and you see Jesus took time to himself, working and hard. Prayed, and yeah, like he prayed, he rested in the Father's will, those things like that. But it wasn't like, that's a dude who really knew how to relax, you know? Like yeah. he vacationed well. Yeah. You know, that's not like what you come to. And so when you can't, <laughs> when whatever teaching you're getting doesn't make you look more like Jesus, <laughs> like you're not getting good teaching anymore. That's right, dude. Right. Yeah, I mean, you've wandered it, off into myths. If anything, it's, it may be close to the opposite. Because that's what Paul says in verse six. He concludes the section saying, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, (laughs) which is such an amazing picture of like, he's like, I have sacrificed everything. I have poured out my entire life, just like you pour out a drink offering. Uh, And the time of my departure has come. He's like, my life is uh, is over. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith like we talked about earlier. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, this eternal reward which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, capital D, speaking of the final day, the day of his appearing. The day of the Lord. Day of the Lord. And not only to me, but also to all who would love his appearing, Uh who have loved his appearing. So there's there's an internal reward. Uh, yeah, there's a, who are following yeah, there's a lot in there. I mean, <laughs> I, I think it's important to not read into the like, what does he mean by a drink offering? It's pretty obvious. He means he gave everything. He gave everything. Mm-hmm. He poured it all out, poured his whole life yep. into this gospel ministry. He gave, just like Jesus, That's he's basically comparing himself to Jesus, mm-hmm. which is kind of what we should be doing as Christians, right? Like I did, I walked in the footsteps of Jesus. Yeah, I did not atone for your sins, but I walked like Jesus did. I gave everything for this cause, for for him because he was a worthy of it and 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 b you're worthy of it the church is worthy of pouring everything out for this and i i just yeah i i don't again in my sermon i wasn't able to draw all that stuff out but more more focusing on the fact that my time has come i'm moving on timothy it's your job now yeah but that whole idea of fighting the good fight mm-hmm. finish the race kept the faith um i think at the end of the day that's what matters I, he mentions all these people who have shipwrecked their faith, you know what I mean? Through mm-hmm. early in the book and the false teachers, but then he's going to mention another guy here in the next text, Demas in love with this present world deserted me, went off to Thessalonica. And I, I mean, we know already in our, I mean, we're in our thirties and we already have people who like 
aren't walking with Jesus. Yeah, walked though they, away. yeah, they walked, they shipwrecked their faith. Mm. People who started in ministry and then said, "Yeah, this isn't not what I thought I signed up for." Mm-hmm. And uh, and then they're out, they're you know doing something else. And I think that's kind of what he's including in here is like, dude, I I struggled, I endured, and I kept it. I kept the faith. I didn't, I didn't uh, screw all this up, you know. Anyway, it was it's yeah. a good encouraging word. Yep. Yeah, and I think that example. I mean, we're coming up on an hour, so we don't have a ton of more time. But I think that example uh, of Paul, you know, all the way back in Acts, it describes when Paul's like, I heard about this dude who was talented in ministry. And I just invited him to come on my journeys, you know? Um, that's really the model. Yeah. As we think about the next generation, when we, you know, for anyone in the church, when you see someone who has a gift to contribute that is similar to the way you're contributing and you just invite them to come along and be a part of it, um, that's what we all should be looking for. That's mm-hmm. kind of the, I mean, that's, that was Jesus's model. He did it with 12, you know, and Paul didn't do just Timothy. Paul had others too. Um, but we all need to have that kind of perspective, that kind of mindset, um, because that's the way the church continues on in legacy. And it's uh, it's not always easy for everyone to make that shift in their thinking of yeah. like, now's the time to start really, uh, you know. But Paul didn't wait till he was dying. No. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Paul had this, uh, had this relationship <laughs> long before um, but that's the thing. I mean, we talked about it on the podcast before how few pastors there are coming up and yeah. how many churches need them, you know, and yeah. all that type of stuff. Um, and it's hard to figure out always like what's the best way to get the next generation up and involved. Mm-hmm. But it's mostly this, <laughs> like inviting people along. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's definitely true. Yeah. It, was that your segue into talking about Nathan? <laughs> <laughs> We'll bring, up, we'll, br- we'll bring up Nathan on another day. There you go. Another day. Yep, definitely. Uh, I think that about covers that text. Yeah. I mean, I think, and he ends there with the whole uh, having, but to also all who have loved his appearing, I think a lot of this is the, the ethic, the ethical force of living the Christian life is in knowing that Christ is coming back. Yeah. And you have to... You have to have this like conviction that the word, the culture needs the word of God. You have to have this conviction that like, man, if I don't do it, nobody else is going to, um, you know, you got to have these sort of like motivators, Mm -hmm. but the greatest motivator of all, like he says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, like present with you right now, present with me in this charge, preach the word. Like he's not only present, but he's coming back. And it's the same thing as like, if you know, if you're five years old and you know, your parents are coming to the room, you know, you're going to stop doing that bad thing you're doing, (laughs) or maybe you're going to start doing the good thing that you were supposed to be doing, which is like cleaning your room because you know, mom's coming up the stairs or whatever. It's like, if you know, Jesus is coming back, or if you know, he's present with you now, it's great motivation to live the way you're supposed to be living uh, with Christ. And so I love how he starts that way and ends that way in order to to ground this charge of preach the word, fulfill your ministry, all these kinds of things. But anyway. Yeah. Great. Great. Ah, I dig it. Great. Should we move on to our next segment? Segment. Do we have a, do before I hit this button, do we have an answer at the yeah. end of it? Okay. Volunteer of the week. All right. Vol- Rob has a volunteer. Well, the, the volunteer week, of the week, like we already said, is basically everyone. No, you can't no. give it. If you give it to everyone, make some, you, make some honorable mentions. If I you mean, gave we it will. to everyone, you gave it to no one. We will. We will <laughs> give it. Well, I mean, okay. So there's the the food dudes, which was Mike and Chris. Mike and Chris. Mike. Kinda, Mike Hurtado. Chris Brown. Brown. They okay. both ran. They helped to to run the the food basically. Okay, listen. And then faster. who helped Let's them go. was Troy. Yeah. Uh, you know, Derek. And there was a number of people who helped there. Helped dishing uh, up, just yeah. serving food. There's a lot. Of who were our security them. guys that day? Derek was running security. Derek with, with Steven. Steven Christensen. And then also Tony and Jason Hamer were helping. Tony were, and Jason. Tony Hanson, Jason Hamer. They were helping with security, but also Jason was helping with setup. 
Yeah, setup was yep. really a, a huge need, and For so sure. a lot had, of a lot of people showed up to set up, a, which was super fun, actually. Yeah, that was really helpful. Mark <laughs> Mark Johnson, uh, big shout out to him because he he came real early. He was the first one to show up to help. Yeah, and he overzealously grabbed a cart, started pushing it, and then ended up something fell and stuff. <sighs> but he felt so bad, but he helped to fix it. He did, he did <laughs> such a good job. Um, he helped with food. Like I feel like he was there yeah. helping out. Uh, the coppages were there. Johnny yes. and Lori coppage were there. And Steve Van Mater was there. Yeah. Um, I hijacked yep. from the Hamers. I hijacked Gideon because Gideon knows how to run sound cables and stuff. So yeah. I hijacked him to help me and Gordon get the rest of the that stage. Set I mean, Greg really Oja was there. Greg Oja. He helped mm-hmm. to clean up. Clean up. Yeah. Greg, which Greg was not like signed up. He was just hanging out and he's like, oh, you need, need a hand? Yeah. Next thing I know, he's been there for 45 minutes helping us clean up. <laughs> So yeah. great. Why uh, don't we each have our volunteer of the week <laughs> in our minds? There was a lot of help, and I don't, I don't know that I would give it to one in person in particular. There's a few. Uh, I will mention. <laughs> Who would you give it to? Do you I would give, give it, it to one? Mark. Mark Johnson. Mark he, Johnson. He, he, okay. he was there. Yeah, I, I would give it to him. Okay. Who would you give it to, Cody? I mean, maybe I give it to Gideon. Like I said, he helped uh, Gordon and yeah, I get yeah. get the yeah. sound system all up and running. <laughs> Cool. Those are great. What were you going to say? I'd give it to Molly Hurtado. Molly Hurtado. That's a great one. <laughs> For My letting, gosh, yeah. dude, she, she was running around. Like she crazy. was doing a lot of cleanup. Mm-hmm. Yes. She was doing, and she focused like, you know, I'm distracted when I'm cleaning. <laughs> I'm getting in conversations, but Molly was never yeah. distracted. Dude. She Molly, just had a job to do. She was getting it done. Not to mention like having to, like be aware of what Mike's doing. Totally. Exactly. <laughs> like what is Mike getting She's into? She's also babysitting Mike. What's is... Max getting into? Right. Exactly. <laughs> dude. Exactly. No, no, I'm just kidding. They're both awesome. Mike, my, my comment on this though is we don't burn out our volunteers. We we're not an event driven ministry or church. I mean, we don't our, try to. We don't we're <laughs> if intentionally. You're, if you're a volunteer and you're feeling burnt out in any way, like contact us immediately. Yeah, yeah please. <laughs> but everybody was serving joyfully. Yeah. And excitedly, I felt like that. Yeah, and uh, that's that's when you know you've got good volunteers, and there's a good volunteer culture of service at your church, which is one of our values. Mm-hmm. Um, at least it's on our website. But it was cool to see it happen. Mm-hmm. It is. It's yesterday. awesome to see it. Yeah. Thank you. Bible trivia. Where are we at? Hit the button. Uh, Did we even give any? Well, I didn't do the applause. I didn't do the applause oh, because the it applause, wasn't then. given to any specific just, uh, person. Everybody deserves everybody. it. Everybody. We're just, get, the, today's volunteer of the week is everyone in the church. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. In in two years, in two years of doing this podcast, we've never given it to everyone. That's true. We've never given the, the first volunteer time. of the this week to the entire time. church. That's, right. That's yep. pretty good. All right, let's do this one. It's time for Bible trivia right now. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. Someone's calling oh, no. people. What is going on? Rob doesn't silence his stuff. Unbelievable. I'm sorry. Rookie mistake. Okay, Bible trivia. Let's go. We got uh, hold on, hold on, Let me find it. Um, so I thought this week, in light of the fact that uh, Paul is talking about his, his imminent death, <clears throat> we talk about death. <laughs> okay. But specifically last week he talked to, or I mentioned, so that I guess this is sort of tangential, but he talks about his suffering, Paul's suffering, and that he was at one point stoned and then uh, raised back from the dead. So this section is called People Getting Stoned, <laughs> uh, which is nothing to do with drugs and everything to do with rocks and death. Um, two very fun activities. Okay, what shepherd boy... Felled, oh, a giant. Oh with my a gosh. Stone. I uh, start off Who and was it? Moses? I Moses. can't remember. Okay. No. Darren? <laughs> yeah. Can you beat me? David. David. <laughs> was he a king? He would. He was, was that or, the oh, second he was part already, of the question? He was already anointed. King. Was that the second part of the question? Mm, yeah, it should have been. No, oh, okay. it wasn't. Um, what son of a priest was stoned to death by order of King jo- Joash? Ooh, wow, I don't I, remember. I do not know that one. Son of a king. Son of, son a, of priest. a priest. Oh, son of a priest. I don't remember. I don't know. King Joash. I don't I don't remember. Um clear it's I don't know. Clear as day. I don't know. I I, I couldn't let's, I couldn't even take a guess. Oh. Who was it? Zechariah. 
Okay. Second Chronicles 24. Wow. How embarrassing. We're losers, we, get, dude. we went from like really easy to really I hard. know. What was that? Um, Some of these are kind of hard. Which yeah. of Jesus's parables talks about the stoning of a landowner's servant? Oh, that is uh, like the the parable of the vineyard or whatever, right? The parable. I think it's the wicked tenants. Yeah, right. what, what's it what's called? The last part, what was the this? last part of the question? It's the one where there's the, the which parable? Yeah, the tenants and he sends people and they kill the tenants. They and kill, he finally sends his son. You remember that parable? I think it's called the wicked tenants or something like that. Something like that. Which of Jesus's parables talks about the stoning of a landowner's servant? Yeah, that's got to be the wicked tenants. I think so. Is but that now that it's called? a servant, I mean, it doesn't have an official. The parable of the tenants. I think yeah, probably yeah, something. Yeah, that's we right. got that one. We got that's that one. Right. Yeah, we got that one. That was That's a, a good one. one but. Um, oh, here. In what city did some Jews persuade the people to stone Paul? Oh, we just oh, talked about this. I just preached oh, on You just preached city. on it. I know it because I preached on it. The city was... Uh, Antioch? No. No, 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 but no, no, you, no, no. It's in the area of Antioch, yes. It might actually it might actually be Antioch. It would be okay. I think like judges would accept that. But I know the actual city, and I'm right. You just looked. Said. You looked at yeah, the Yeah, but he, already, he said he I already knew, knew it. it. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's a. Okay, oh Aaron got it wrong. Gosh. Cody, take a guess. Oh, man. I don't know. I don't even know the cities in like Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> like geographically challenged. Yeah. What's near Antioch? Crete. No. Okay. Lystra. 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 Which is. Rob got that one. Timothy's so hometown. We're all on the same team, correct? That's right. I Lystra. thought that was wild. Yeah. Mm. That was an, an interesting point to make. Yeah. I, I specifically wanted to talk about that because that's that's where Timothy probably saw Paul for the first time, and they, they killed the guy. They so killed thought, him, dude, and they put him outside, and he came back to life. <laughs> yeah. And then a few years later, he's like, hey, you should go with me. And Timothy's like, all right, let's do this. Wow, dude. I mean, yeah. if you could like come back from the dead, that sounds cool. <laughs> well, if I'm not mistaken, we got three out of four, correct? Which is yeah, 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 75%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a C. Hey, there you go. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, we were... We're content with C's. Yeah, C's get degrees. Totally, dude. You can become a pastor and get C's. <laughs> yeah, I'm proof of that. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Canby Christian Church podcast. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit canbychristian.org. Thank you.